Hello, this is William Fink of Christagenia.org, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. Today is Friday, Friday, May 1st, 2020. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. This evening, I'm going to present the coronavirus pandemic from a Christian nationalist perspective. Here I will offer a summary of what I think are the important aspects of the so-called coronavirus pandemic and how it had evolved into a scare which has put millions of Americans out of work and closed hundreds of thousands of small businesses, many of which may indeed be closed forever. Perhaps it didn't evolve as a scare. Perhaps it started out and was planned to be such a scare. I undertook this venture because I am disappointed by the reactions to this supposed pandemic by many so-called nationalists who seem to have swallowed the entire mainstream paradigm hook, line, and sinker. While the information I offer here shouldn't be new to anyone who has kept themselves apprised of the situation, perhaps I can offer a different perspective which is more relevant to Christian nationalists. After making my presentation, we will have Dr. Michael Hill, president of the League of the South, to discuss what we think should be the proper Christian Southern nationalist reaction to this pandemic. Now, ahead of time, I will apologize because Dr. Hill was cut off um, several times and, and we had a hard time communicating. My cell phone connection to the internet wasn't working at all. I don't know why. And the satellite was almost as bad. It kept fading in and out. And, and sometimes I heard a, a sort of mechanical voice somewhere along the line that was providing interference. I, I never heard that before on my cell phone, on, on my satellite connection. Perhaps it was his cell phone connection. I, I don't know, but the connection was horrible and it is what it is. But while some of Dr. Hill's words were lost, all of his points had certainly gotten across and it was a pleasure to have him. So I've already recorded that segment, and now I'm presenting this article, which prefaces our conversation. I was watching some of the early coronavirus reports in the news media, and back in perhaps mid-February, I also saw the early videos coming out of China showing people who allegedly had the virus dropping dead in the streets. Today, I sincerely believe that those videos were released as purposeful propaganda to instill fear of the virus even into social media denizens and dissidents in the West. And of course, every Southern nationalist and every white nationalist and every identity Christian should consider themselves a dissident against the established worldly political regimes, which are all controlled by the Jews. 
As soon as coronavirus was said to have exploded in the West, reports of any further spread of the disease from China and most of Asia had completely dissipated. And the communist model of governance was made to look like a veritable utopia compared to the comparative freedoms, if we could call them freedoms, which Westerners enjoy. They're really privileges. But we cannot trust anything which comes out of China. And we cannot imagine the Chinese to ever be telling us the truth. However, almost as soon as the disease reached our shores, our governments in the West had almost immediately followed the Chinese, the communist Chinese model of containment. The first U.S. death attributed to coronavirus was February 29th. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, a federal agency, the CDC had developed initial test kits in early February, which were later deemed inadequate. But the media treated the development as if the kits should have been produced instantly, worked perfectly, and distributed appropriately even before any major outbreaks of the disease. By March 2nd, the media was already making assertions that alleged government failure to quickly devise adequate testing before the virus even spread here was responsible for U.S. cases. In spite of the fact that the first reported deaths from the virus were not until January 11th in China and not until February 2nd outside of China. And of course, I will provide in the text to the body of this, as it's presented at Christagenia.org, I will provide citations appropriate for just about everything that I say here, I believe. But to me, all of that indicates a purposeful agenda on the part of the media to portray the government as being incompetent when it could never have been effectual in any case. In other words, it's not the government's job to be competent in a virus that it doesn't even have any experience with outside of a few weeks or, or even a few months, even if that virus was created in government finance laboratories. We can't expect the government to already have test kits everywhere. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous um, charge, which the media made at that early time, probably to try to undermine Donald Trump. That's inter-party politics on a national level that really don't matter to us at this point. But to me, all of that does indicate a purposeful agenda on the part of the media to portray the government as being incompetent when it could never have been competent or effectual in any case, and more importantly, to exert pressure on the government to, to respond more drastically than it may have or even than it should have. The media created an aura of panic by which the government was thereby compelled to respond with a heavy hand. But even that seemed to have already been engineered. Initially, 
and supposedly scientific models espoused by government health officials in the United States and the United Kingdom predicted millions of deaths if nothing was done to mitigate the spread of coronavirus unless draconian measures which shut down the European and American economies were executed and unless the shutdown remained in place until pharmaceutical interventions could be implemented, meaning mass vaccinations. One particular model from the Imperial College in London was highly influential in causing the shutdowns, although it was not officially published until March 16th. It was a primary source for many claims by the media that without locking everyone indoors, an estimated 80% of the American or British populations would be infected by coronavirus, and of claims that if there was no pharmaceutical intervention, as many as 2.7 million people would die in those two countries alone. With government intervention, it was estimated that only half that number would die. I do not agree with libertarianism, as all of my listeners should know. But one such organization, a libertarian organization, the American Institute for Economic Research, has written about the sensational reporting which resulted from models projected by the Imperial College in the United Kingdom. They have also published an interview with Professor Johann Gaisecki, the chief scientist at the European Center for Disease Control and the architect of Sweden's lockdown-free approach to the coronavirus pandemic. And Gaisecki soundly rejected the Imperial College findings which all America and Britain used to justify the lockdown. Now, the so-called doctor, Anthony Fauci, I really think this guy's a crypto Jew interloper. Anthony Fauci of the American National Institute for Health is warning of another and inevitable round of coronavirus cases in the fall and also warning against lifting restrictions on travel and business. Fauci has another reason to stay his course, as he has admitted and defended supporting the laboratory in Wuhan, in China, from where the novel coronavirus is said to have originated. He supported it with U.S. government research funding. So Fauci has been in on this from the beginning. He can't be trusted. And he's the guy that media keeps elevating to the position of demigod. The Imperial College is also sullied in all of this. Sullied. Dirty. They're dirty. As it has received millions of dollars in grants from Bill Gates. A man who stands to profit greatly from mass vaccination programs. It's listed right on the Gates Foundation website. The Imperial College, for over 10 years now, has gotten grant after grant after grant 
for projects from Bill Gates. The so-called scientist behind the Imperial College models, Neil Ferguson, has also been behind failed virus scares of the past and more than once. Nevertheless, the Imperial College has actually boasted in a March 26th article that the coronavirus pandemic could have caused 40 million deaths if left unchecked. And they will all apparently claim the title as saviors of the world by scaring us into this bullshit, causing the whole world to fear from a virus. And then after these draconian measures are imposed and we all lose our jobs, our businesses, then they claim to be our saviors because they kept us locked in our houses. Like the planet is one giant jail. So in any event, the government could always claim to have been our savior, having done the will of the media and the international corporations which they followed while plunging the West into global communism. That's what they've done. Back in early March, the media drumbeat foreboding coronavirus death and destruction grew louder and louder, and corporate America itself led the way to economic doom for many Americans when it began to shutter its businesses. Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and other Disney ventures were all closed due to coronavirus on March 12th. It should also be noted that Disney owns ABC News, ESPN News, and has joint ventures with several joint ventures with Hearst Communications, which is a major news media corporation based in New York. The NBA season was also suspended on March 12th, after supposedly after one basketball player was tested positive for coronavirus. That's the official story. But on that same day, on a, and, and this is no coincidence, on the same day that Disney closed, on the same day that Hearst Communications and, and the NBA closed, so did the PGA, had canceled its entire golf season that same day. So did XFL football. And so did Major League Soccer and the U.S. Soccer F Federation. The Association of Tennis Professionals and the Women's Tennis Association, the governing bodies for both men's and women's professional tennis, also suspended all their tournaments that same day. The NHL suspended its hockey season March 13th, along with the NCAA college basketball tournament, Major League Baseball on March 16th. On March 12th, the English Premier League decided to keep its soccer season going, and then on March 13th, it reversed its decision and suspended its schedule. Other large companies, such as MGM Resorts International, also suspended operations that same week, or at least by March 16th. Now, I'm no fan of all the idolatry of the sports and entertainment businesses, but these closures both precipitated and encouraged the forced closures of many small businesses, which will suffer much more greatly because their owners and employees cannot afford to be out of work for months. On March 17th, Nordstrom and Macy's closed all of their stores. 
On March 18th, JCPenney and Simon Property Group, the largest owner of shopping malls in the nation, closed all of their malls and stores and other retail properties due to coronavirus. The firm owns and operates nearly 20 major malls in Florida alone and 209 throughout the United States. On March 19th, Victoria's Secret and Gap Incorporated, which owns the Gap retail store chains and others such as Old Navy and Banana Republic, they closed all of their stores for the same reason. And many other major retailers followed. On March 13th, but now let's take a note, that major corporations and all of the professional sporting leagues had already opted and chosen and announced that they were suspending, suspending all their operations. On March 13th, the New York Times reported that according to the CDC, between 160 million and 214 million people in the United States could be infected over the course of the epidemic, according to a projection that encompasses the range of four scenarios. That could last months or even over a year, with infections concentrated in shorter periods, staggered across different communities, across time in different communities, Experts said as many as 200,000 to 1.7 million people could die. That was March 13th, the New York Times. Then, even more alarmingly, it continued, and it said in the same article, and the calculations based on the CDC's scenarios suggested 2.4 million to 21 million people in the United States could require hospitalization, potentially crushing the nation's medical system, which has only about 925,000 staffed hospital beds. Fewer than a tenth of those are for people who are critically ill. Accordingly, and evidently based on the same faulty data, on March 13, 2020, Donald Trump declared a national state of emergency due to the virus. Corporate America led the way. Donald Trump was only following. That's all he was doing. On that same day, March 13th, I wrote an article at Christagenia asserting that the hype is a hoax, which I included in that day's podcast. It was a Friday. And I stand by that article today. In fact, by now, May 1st, 2020, I am fully vindicated but of course, I never expected anyone to listen to me, not even on a whim. Following the declaration by Trump, every American state moved to place severe restrictions on businesses, mostly affecting small businesses. The big corporations, a lot of them were already closed mostly affecting small businesses as well as social gatherings, recreation, and entertainment. And they placed those restrictions between every state between March 15th and March 23rd, most of them before March 18th. Of the 17 states 
which did not react until March 18th or later, all but one, which is the state of Maine, was a so-called red or conservative state in the 2016 election. So the conservatives acted more slowly than the progressive liberal blue states. Some of them were reluctant to act at all, but nevertheless capitulated to one degree or another within that first 10 days after Trump's declaration. Many American states, from Maine to Alaska, all closed their schools on March 16th, and most of the rest had followed suit by March 20th with a couple of states, Missouri and Colorado, holding out just a few days longer. Since March 23rd, business and activity restrictions were tightened even further in many states, and stay-at-home orders were issued by most of them. But our point here is that the earliest statewide restrictions came within days of Trump's declaration, and with little or no resistance by most local politicians. Arizona and South Dakota were criticized in international media for not closing businesses or forcing people to stay at home quickly enough. However, the governor of South Dakota cited constitutional restrictions on her authority. She is the only politician we have heard who has done that. And we have seen no reports of any other protests against lockdowns on constitutional grounds. Any other protests by politicians. Furthermore, the very fact that international media would criticize American states for inaction without any repudiation of the criticism shows an expectation of worldwide conformance which is, in turn, an indication of the level of acceptance of the concept of world governance by American politicians and even by American citizens. It's disgraceful. While the initial models predicted millions of coronavirus deaths, over two million in the United States alone, and another half million or so in Britain, they were promoted by Fauci and by Bill Gates, who has a large personal stake in the vaccination industry to promote the need for vaccines as a solution to the virus. No doubt the pharmaceutical industry would love to have us all undergo a series of mandatory yearly vaccines since every virus mutates constantly and new vaccines are needed with every new mutation. At least for those of us who want to believe that viruses even exist, because I understand there's a segment of us that don't even believe that. But regardless of that, it is not science. Vaccinations are not science. They are guessworks. Guesswork for profits. But now, even without vaccines, the government can claim to be our savior because we all agreed to put ourselves out of business and submit to lockdowns. Later, on March 26th, 
the imperial college scientist, Ferguson, who predicted 500,000 coronavirus deaths in the UK, adjusted the figure to 20,000 or fewer. But rather than attribute the difference to bad modeling, he credited the lockdown measures in spite of the fact that he had previously estimated as many as 250,000 deaths in the UK, even if the government took such measures along with medical intervention that hasn't yet happened. More importantly, antibody tests from the US, from across the US, prove him in that estimation to still be a fraud. He's still a fraud, even as he lowered his projected death figure from 500,000 or with intervention from 250,000 to 20,000. He's still a fraud. And the antibody tests conducted by various localities in the United States proves he's a fraud. Because even the governor of New York admitted that as many as 3 million New Yorkers already had the antibodies, mean, meaning that they were already exposed to the virus, and most of them, the vast majority of them, are still healthy. So this Ferguson clown in this Imperial College, he's just a pawn for Bill Gates. That's all he is. He's a tool, and he's a clown. After perhaps six or eight weeks of experience with coronavirus, information is coming from health agencies and doctors in the field, which refutes the entire mainstream media and national health agency paradigm, along with the models produced by the Imperial College and the CDC, because it shows that the real coronavirus effect is no more serious than virulent strains of influenza, and perhaps even less serious, much less serious. On April 20th, the Los Angeles County Department of Health issued a press release titled, Early Results of Antibody Testing Suggest the Number of COVID-19 Infections Far Exceeds the Number of Confirmed Cases in Los Angeles County. If actual infections are far higher than what was reported than what has been reported. And most of those infections are never treated because there are no symptoms or only mild symptoms. Then, of course, the hospitalization and death rates for the disease are proportionately lower. That is bad news for media sensationalism and the pharmaceutical companies that aspire to addicting the world to their vaccinations. The Los Angeles report said, in part, and I quote, based on results of the first round of testing, the research team estimates that approximately 4.1% of the county's adult population has an antibody to the virus. 
adjusting this estimate for statistical margin of error implies that about 2.8% to 5.6% of the county's adult population has antibody to the virus, which translates to approximately 221,000 to 442,000 adults in the county who have had the infection. That estimate is 28 to 55 times higher than the 7,994 confirmed cases of COVID-19 reported to the county by the time of the study in early April. The number of COVID-19 related deaths in the county has now surpassed 600. So I didn't do all the math, but think about this. Out of 8,000 confirmed cases, if there are 600 deaths, then real quick, the number of the, the death rate would be calculated at maybe 7.5%. And that's a lie if the amount of people that have had the virus is even 28 times higher than that. You have to take that 7.5% and divide it by 28 to get the real death rate. If it's 55 times higher than that, dividing that 7.5% by 55 gives you a death rate of practically nothing. This is only a flu. That's all it is. But Los Angeles is not alone. New York is getting similar results from testing that is now beyond preliminary stages. On April 29th, it was announced by the governor of New York that the preliminary antibody study showed that 17.1% of New York Fire Department EMT members and 10.5% of New York Police Department members tested were found to have COVID-19 antibodies. The downstate average, meaning the New York City area and, and Nyack and Rockland and Orange counties just north of New York City, the downstate average is of about 18%, according to Cuomo. Back on April 23rd, it had already been announced after preliminary testing that a projected one in five New Yorkers or three million people because that's 20% of the population of New York, may have already had COVID-19. The disease caused by the so-called novel coronavirus. If that is the case, then the coronavirus death rate in New York is close to 0.8% as of April 30th, 2020. 0.8%. In Santa Clara County, California, Similar testing and a study conducted by researchers associated with Stanford University Medical School concluded that the population prevalence of SARS-CoV-2 antibodies in Santa Clara County implies that the infection is much more widespread than indicated by the number of confirmed cases. Population prevalence estimates can now be used to calibrate 
epidemic and mortality projections. In other words, as a related article at Reason.com concluded, COVID-19 lethality is not much different than the flu. Saying that, they referred to a, a study in Iceland which shows that about 50% of people infected with the virus have no symptoms. Likewise, in an April 24th news release, Miami-Dade County and the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine announced initial findings after a second round of COVID-19 testing was completed in their community and found that there are actually up to 16.5 times more coronavirus infections than what is being reported. The testing suggests that something like 6% of local residents have been infected by the virus. So the death rate for coronavirus in Florida, currently imagined to be nearly 4%, may actually be as low as 0.25%, one quarter of 1%. These results fully support the highly criticized statements made recently by two doctors in Bakersfield, California, who said in a taped interview available at Christagenia, the link will be posted with this podcast, that there would be millions of coronavirus infections, but very few deaths. The doctors had courage to say what they did at the time, but were speaking from their own findings in the field, which also led them to call for an end to the draconian measures that local and state governments had imposed. They also fully support statements made by epidemiologist Newt Wikowski, and this will also be posted along with this podcast in a taped interview. Newt Witkowski, a doctor formerly with Rockefeller University, who has spoken out against government intervention, forced business closures, and lockdowns related to coronavirus. Witkowski also said that there would be millions of infections and very few deaths. But he was criticized for his remarks by both the media and his former employer. If the testing done in New York, Los Angeles, Santa Clara, Miami, and even in Iceland is correct, the results certainly are consistent with one another in each of those places. And if the results also support the conclusions of epidemiologists, such as Newt Witkowski and Professor Johan Gaisaki, and the Bakersfield doctors who were courageous enough to refute the media paradigm which is being safely and blindedly, blindly followed by most doctors, then the entire media must be called into question on this issue, as well as all of the corporations and state governments who blindly followed the fear. We, as Christian nationalists, or as any white nationalists or southern nationalists, certainly should not be on that same path. But sadly, some of us are. And we can only hope 
to pull some of them out of the mire. So now we will hear from Dr. Michael Hill. Thank you for listening. This evening, we are blessed with the privilege of having Dr. Michael Hill here to speak with us about how Southern nationalists and Christian nationalists in general should react to events such as this supposed coronavirus pandemic. Dr. Hill is the president of the League of the South and a retired professor of history in the university system of the state of Alabama. I also have the good fortune to consider him a friend. And of course, I am also a member of the League of the South. Dr. Hill, thank you for being here. Bill, it's always my pleasure. Good to be with you again. Thank you, sir. This is, um, I wrote in, 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 social media the other day summarizing my opinion of the general response of most people to the coronavirus lockdown and especially the response of many supposed nationalists that for nearly eight weeks now i thought i was going to see a whiskey myers concert and instead i ended up with boy george I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Whiskey Myers, <laughs> but they're like a, a a a tough country southern rock band, and and they exude. Oh yes, I'm very familiar with them. That their music and and their personas exude what the southerner should really be, but instead I ended up with Boy George, and that's all I. That's how I could summarize this. <laughs> That's... Oh, that is quite an opposite of Whiskey Myers, I'm telling you. Yes, sir. So I'm 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 um probably gonna play some of our music tonight when this podcast airs. It it's... that sounds like a good plan, sir. I love that. It it's been um my position all along, and I believe yours also, that this hype has been a hoax from the beginning. But even if the virus threat was real. Should we react as as the most men in the South have reacted? I will say uh, a one-word answer to that, sir. A big no. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, I, I put something out the other day that said, you know, I have not, I've not been afraid of anything since it started. 
something just uh, just told me. I guess I guess it was uh, uh, my experience in the past, and 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 plus the the spirit of God uh, who. I haven't been worried about this. I haven't been worried about catching it. I haven't been worried about giving it to anybody. Uh, I haven't worn a mask. I haven't stayed six feet away from anybody. I haven't followed all the directions of where to stand in the damn store. Uh, You know, I I pretty much, with the exception of being able to go to my gym, which is closed, of course, I pretty much live my life just like I normally would. We've had to cancel a couple of events I was supposed to speak at, but I didn't have it. Um, but otherwise, Bill, I've just lived my life like uh, I normally would, uh, not afraid, not concerned. But I understand that, you know, a lot of people uh, have been scared to death by this. And more importantly, a lot of businesses, small businesses, have been shut down. And as as I've uh, you know, discussed with other people, uh, some small business owners, they may not, they may not open back be terrible for uh you know a lot of families uh the big corporation hey they'll sail through it just fine they, they'll they'll do better their competition will be gone uh th- this this the repercussions of this in the future uh are going to be widespread and very deep well well absolutely there's and and i'm sorry you cut out one or two short times there my connection is terrible today i apologize for that i can't i i can't help it i'm on satellite because it's the phone was even worse but well you're absolutely correct that this there's going to be millions of southerners hurt by this that that have um mortgages defaulted on credit cards defaulted on Um, small businesses put out of business that are not coming back because they couldn't afford to take six or eight weeks off and, and, and not have any uh, income. uh, Now, some of these businesses, uh, run month to month, you know, if they miss a month's worth of of business, they're, they're gone. You know, they, they can't pay the rent. They can't pay their insurance. They can't pay their existing bills. Uh, so and and you know I, I think that uh, this whole thing, uh, as you have mentioned, w- was led not so much by government, and I can't help but think that the plan was is to put their small business competition uh, out of business and to hurt a lot of uh, well in our case a lot of uh, Southerners, uh, white white folks. Uh, who are dependent upon these businesses either, you know, to run them or to work for them, and they will be gone, and they will have absolutely no recourse except to either hand out from the government and become slaves or take a job with a big corporation and become slaves. So it's just uh, another step toward the enslavement of our people, the the destruction of our economic and financial uh, independence, what little bit we may have had left. And I I just don't see anything good coming out of this. And I think the quicker that Southerners step up and say yes and start acting like the defiant uh, spirits that their ancestors were. I, I think we're we're simply going down the road to perdition and to hell if we don't turn around. 
Right. They should definitely step up and say that enough is enough. And and it's because the the clear there's a very clear timeline throughout this entire um, so-called pandemic that it was the corporations that all shut down first and led and forced, compelled the government to act. It was all led by the corporations. It, if um, I, I don't know if the media can scare government into making men or compelling men to give up their livelihoods and sacrifice the future of their own families, how are men going to hold on to the liberties? How are they going to hold on to their guns when the government wants to take them? How are men going to defend themselves? They, they won't is right. The way they're acting, no. they won't. No, absolutely not. If, if, you, can, uh, if you can force a man... Uh, to sit idle and and not work and and be dependent on on a on a paltry handout from government over something like this, then you can pretty much lead him by the nose to do anything. And I am extremely disappointed. Uh, and as I said, I, I put a post on social media or the day before that I was have never been more disappointed uh, with Americans and particularly Southerners that I have. In this, I go out and I see people with fear in their eyes. They got these masks on. They've got fear in their eyes. They're not friendly anymore. It's it's almost like that we've had the invasion of the body snatchers, you know. And and they're they're not really real anymore. They're not themselves. And I because we're, we're a gregarious, outgoing, friendly people, and all of that is has just changed overnight. And it's been replaced by fear and uncertainty and trepidation. All kinds of things. I just, I absolutely hate it to see it, um, and I hope it. I hope we snap out of it here pretty soon, and just, you know, tell everybody to go to hell. We're going back to living our lives the way we did before, not necessarily, but as free men, maybe. You know, there were a lot of things I think that if we don't go back to it, would be good. I mean, mindless consumerism, uh, you know, stuff like that, but to be locked in our homes. We need to get out and remake our society when we have the chance here. I think we have an opportunity. But if we're going to sit around with masks on, obeying every kind of diktat that comes down the pike, then the first and the old normal. And we have a real chance here if we will be bold and take it. But we can't do it by obeying what corporations and government tell us to do and, and being led around like sheep. Well, well, right, and and most of our own people are even echoing or merely reacting according to media fear porn, and, and instead, I believe that we should be positioning ourselves as nationalists as, as a viable alternative to the tyrannical American empire. I mean, it's past time in the South. I understand that some states are opening to some degree today. But it was past time six weeks ago that they should have marched on their state capitals and, and protested this and, and refused to close their businesses. But they did. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uh, people should have refused to close their businesses and should have acted in concert with one another. But everybody kind of looked around and saw their neighbors closing down. So they just decided to close down, too. And, you know, here we are. Uh, as I said, it really, it really hasn't affected me that much personally, uh, because I don't go out and, and, you know, I'm not a mindless consumer. I had most of what I needed anyway. 
but it, it has had a tremendously uh, negative impact on a lot of people, both consumers and business owners. But they have nobody to blame but themselves because they complied. They complied with things that a free man ought never to agree to comply with. Right, a free man. Well, we don't have any freedoms because we've given them up. We've volunteered them back to the government. Now they're privileges. That's right. And, and That's now, right. And, 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 yeah, and if there was ever, ever a situation that, that illumined that, that we have privileges, uh, it is this, because they have just, and, and they didn't even have to pass any laws to do this. They just said, this is what we are ordering you to do. We have regulations here that we are putting into place, and nobody even questioned whether or not they had any legal basis. They just complied, and I have not been, as I said, not been so put out and disappointed with my fellow Americans and particularly Southerners in my whole life, and I've been on this earth 68 years. Well, well yesterday, in, in preparation for this, I didn't know where I was going, but I, I read a great deal of the Florida State Constitution, and, and, and every state constitution is different, right? But I also read a good deal of the code, the Florida law code on emergency management and the powers that the governor would have during an emergency. And, and um, under the section that said legislative intent, it, the, the general um, tone of the paragraph on legislative intent was to keep businesses open, not to ever force them to close. It was to assist business right. and keep businesses open. So even though under the paragraph on natural disasters, it has language which might leave open to interpretation the idea that a virus could be considered a natural disaster. But the legislative intent of the act was to keep businesses open and assist businesses and help people. Yes make their livelihoods, but not to close businesses. It's the exact opposite of what the Florida state legislature intended. So I don't know how that could and pass. it's the same for Alabama. It's the same for us. I, I, I don't know how people could not protest against what's been going on, but they just seem to lay down and take it. it it's our people are no longer self-sufficient and, and they're tied to that television. So the televisions become their God. Anything the television tells them they believe and they sure. blindly follow along. I, I think all nationalists should totally disconnect themselves from that television, throw it in the trash, cancel oh, your I cable agree. subscriptions. I agree. <laughs> Forget all that. And, and well, look at yeah. Is yeah. I was I'm, I'm say sorry, that, I lost you for a second uh, you there. Know, I, I lost you for a second there yeah, in your I, response. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that through all of this, when it started, I guess back uh, in January, when when we first learned that there was some kind of virus out there that we should be afraid of. Uh, my first response was to look at the official story and doubt it. Uh, and I think that's, that's what our people naturally do. I mean, how many, how many times uh, has the official story 
because you know the I'm sorry. From the I'm Holocaust sorry, sir. To the coronavirus. You know, we we see the official story, and as Southern nationalists, we doubt it right away. We say, okay, well, we don't know exactly what the truth is, but we know it isn't this because we don't believe the official story. Uh, a lot of our people seem to have dropped the ball on that way of thinking this time around. Why should we believe anything that these people tell us? Uh, particularly something as wide-ranging as this. You know, this is not just something that's localized. This is not something that's just affecting one or two countries. This is affecting, as you pointed out, the entire world. Why should we think that these people are going to tell us the truth about anything uh, a pandemic virus included. Uh, and I, that's what I don't understand. And there are so many things that are going on right now with people like Bill Gates, uh, the World Health Organization, George Soros, Elon Musk. I mean, all of these things are just kind of linking themselves together into a picture before our very eyes. And the outcome of that picture while it may be fuzzy right now, is beginning to take shape. And let me tell you, particularly nationalist, and we, we need to break out of this paradigm of fear that we're in right now before we get sucked down into this thing and there is no exit from it. Well, well, absolutely. And, and, and I recently heard you, um, just the other day, in fact, on the political cesspool radio program with James Edwards, talking about the fighting spirit of, of our Southern ancestors. And, and most of the men in the League of the South and most Southern nationalists have, have, are, are like fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth generation, 10th generation Southerners. And, and they've always had that fighting spirit. Where is it now? I, I, may, well, that's what I'm wondering. Uh, maybe we've already answered that in 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 the um, references to the television and people just blindly following along and the masks and wow, it, it's, it's such a change in such a short time. You know, it, it really is, Bill. It, it, it's a change. I, you know, I think most of our league members uh, are going along with the way that we feel about this. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's some who have different ideas that, than we have. But, you know, it's uh, the, the Southern people in general have always been, been uh, you know, have had a fighting spirit. Uh, and, it, and it's held on into the present day among some. But uh, what I'm seeing now among the general population uh, certainly tells me that that fighting spirit uh, needs, needs to be uh, pulled out, dusted off, and, and, and exercised a little bit here because it's, it's gotten uh, a, a little bit uh, flabby and old from disuse lately. So we need to, we need to rekindle that, that fighting spirit among our people. And uh, this pandemic would be a good place to start because, as I said, the implications of this as, as it continues. And they're talking about, you know, uh, you know, nothing becoming normal again until they have vaccinations. There's never been a vaccination for a coronavirus. In fact, some argue that there's never been a successful vaccination for anything. But I, I'm, I'm not a scientist, and I won't get into that, but I've certainly done a lot of research on it, and uh, I have my doubts about whether or not 
there'll ever be an effective uh, vaccination. There may be a vaccination, but it won't be to get rid of coronavirus. So, I mean, there are so many things that, that are setting themselves up down the line, short term and longer term for this, and none of them uh, uh, bode well for us. Well, well, the best defense against viruses is, is your own immune system and, and keeping yourself healthy and eat, eat, eating well and getting a little exercise, getting away from that television. That would be the best solution. And, yes. and the best defense against a virus is to get away from that television and get outside in the sun. Spend and time something. out in the sunshine. Right. It, it's, um, we, we live in a the community. The sunshine is the best medicine that we have. Well, we live in a community that, that's actually um, given to sportsmen and, and fishing, and it's on a river. And, and sad to say that I would bet 80% at least of the people I see outside and engaging in the activities related to such a community are older than me. And I'm going to be 60 very shortly. And, and they're older than me. I feel like one of the um, young people around here. And I'm almost 60. So where are the young people? They're yeah. watching television. <laughs> they're sitting in bars. I, I don't know. But they're not out doing things in the sun. And, and some are. But I'd, I'd say 80% no. of them are, are much older than me. I, I bet <laughs> maybe over 70, at, at least half of them. And, and when they when they're gone, sure. I'm going to have the river to myself for at least a few years. <laughs> that, <that's, clears throat> well, you know, I've seen the same thing. Uh, I've tried, you know, since it started um, there, you know, I've, I've been limited to what I can do as far as traveling. So uh, I've been I've been kind of stuck around here, around home in the office. But, you know, I've been uh, I've been trying to get outside uh, and it's been some you know, beautiful days over the last month or month and a half around here in North Alabama. And I've, I've done a lot of work outside. Uh, man, I, I, I feel in good shape. I, I sleep well. I don't, I don't worry about anything that I can't control. Uh, but, uh, I just wish everybody, particularly young folks would do that. Get out in the sunshine, get out and work, get out and do something productive you know, act like a free man in everything you do every day, and uh, you'll find that you are a free man if you act like one. Uh, well, well, the warriors, the the warriors of the past, man who this thinks game. straight. I, I'm sorry, I lost you for a second, so I'm stepping on you. I, I'm sorry, but that's right. A man who thinks straight is a man who's an outdoorsman, who participates yes, in activities absolutely. outdoors. The warriors of the past right. acquired their skills by hunting and fishing and doing things in, in their, the time they weren't fighting, doing things outside. That's how you become a warrior, <laughs> not through a video game. It, it's That's something. right. You don't become a warrior by sitting in the house. No. You become a warrior by exercising your mind, your body, your muscles your skills, your, and, and developing, uh, uh, all of those things, uh, as, uh, with a proper mindset and you come to fear. Uh, and if 
time where, where you do face a physical danger and there's fear, you, you overcome it with courage. And the way you do that is you face your fears. You don't run from them. And I, I see people running from their fears. And every, every time I see somebody with a mask on, I just want to rip it off and say, you know, act like a, act like a man, you know. Don't, don't, don't act like a sheep that's covered with some damn mask. Man, you know, live, live, live like a free man. Be outside, work, do things, go places. You know, don't don't cower in your house and uh, you know wait for somebody to tell you what to do. Man, grab life and live it. Well, well, that's absolutely true, and and this really hasn't hampered um, my own activities at all. I, I mean, I, I unfortunately I spend most of my time at my desk, but I'm out on on the river or fishing or doing stuff around the house. I'm outside three four days a week. We go to town a few times a week. Um, we go to town just to walk or or get out so that I can get away from my work, and and except for the um, the, the time that we'd spend on a, on a Monday afternoon when I'm off or, or a Thursday evening at a pub, we've, we've not been hampered at all by any of this, but we're fortunate enough to live in a remote area. And in town, they have the beaches are closed, the parks are closed. Everything that's yeah. good for people, they, they shut down. They shut it all down. Yeah, you, you, exactly. It, and, and if people can't see that, and and protest it well how do you help people i, I mean it's pretty difficult but league members <laughs> should, should be positioning well, that's what i'm trying to figure out how do you how do you get through to people you know it's the same here i live out i live out in the country in the county and in, in a rural part of north alabama and uh you know I, I spend a lot of time out walking hiking shooting you know doing things in the woods and and i haven't had any problems doing that they shut some of the parks down and uh you know obviously but you know you even with that even with the, the opportunities to get out and do things there have been so many people who have just huddled inside their homes and just cowering in fear and and refuse to get out because they're afraid of something they can't even see you know and uh i don't know i've I, I, you know i've seen photographs of of you uh, that you posted on uh, on social media going out and doing I've done the same thing. I encourage all our people to get out and do those things. Right. I think that when 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 um M- Melissa loves to post those photographs, right? We're fishing or we're playing with our dogs or <laughs> yes, whatever we're doing. Exactly. And, That's and right. To to show people that we're doing that, I, I think is important, in, in order to set examples of, of what we should all be doing. Because just posting on social That's media right. is not going to win us any battles. It's just not. It, it's um, <laughs> no. I, I believe that our um, members should be evangelists for um, not only outdoor activities that make us um, self-sufficient and self-reliant, but, but also as um, defenders of, of our Christian liberties and reclaimers of the rights that we think we have and that we really don't, we must reassert and reclaim those rights all the time. And, and 
if you are not willing to exert your rights, and, and exerting your rights is a fundamental duty. If a man will not do that fundamental duty of protecting and exerting his rights, he is going to soon find out that he has no rights. And I think that's what we're finding out in this pandemic. If people don't get it by now, they're never going to get it. I'm sorry, sir. I believe I've lost you. Yeah, I, I, you faded out on me there for a second. Okay. Uh, I, I was. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, these rights have to be exerted. Yes, constantly. Um, and and that's I, right. I, I was basically agreeing with you. It, it's we. This pandemic has should have taught us that we have no rights, and that's because we haven't exerted them. But we right. should have they, never there, accepted. There are people out there if you, if they can cow you and 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 make you scared to exert your rights. They are basically telling you you have no rights, and there's only one thing that you can, or there are two things you can do. Only one right thing. One you can, you know, cower down and uh, and you know agree with them and have no rights, or you can uh, tell them to go to hell and exert those rights, come what may, and take the consequences, or make them pay the consequences. Better, better said. But um, you know, one one thing I think our people ought to learn out of this, if nothing else, is that is something you just mentioned: self reliance. Um, people ought to take their own livelihood into their hands more often and learn to allow them to survive outside of this modern system. Because if there is 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 a, a silver lining to this cloud, and I pray to God there is. Uh, it will be the destruction of this modern Jew system. And if that's the case, there's going to be a lot of pain in the transition. Uh, but it would be a good thing for our people to know how to take care of themselves like our ancestors did. Uh, develop some of those old skills, get, get the tools you need, the knowledge you need to provide the basics for your survival. And, and that that's not only on a personal level, but on a community level, you, you the league had published in in response to this coronavirus, I believe um, perhaps as long as a month ago, a an article titled The Disease of Globalism and its Antidote. And, and if nothing um, demonstrates the disease of globalism better than this coronavirus. I, I don't know what it could be, it, if anything could, that this coronavirus pandemic definitely um, displays the problems with globalism. Yes, it does. Uh, th this, is, uh, this is the natural outcome of a, of a global system where, where you can take a, a pandemic like this, and whether it's real or not, we'll... <laughs> You know, we'll we'll let people make up their own minds about that. I, I think it was a scam from the very beginning. Uh, but when you have a global system all tied in together like this, including not only trade and all but communications and ties between governments and things like that, uh, you're going to be able to uh, lead people around, not just locally and nationally, but globally. And you're going to be able to shut everything down, not just locally or nationally, but globally. And that's what we're seeing right here. I hope that um, whatever the intended outcome of this by whoever is behind it, I hope it flies back and, and hits them in the face. And this whole system is destroyed because what this shows me anyway is how badly the organic 
idea of nationalism is needed to keep something like this from happening again and paralyzing and destroying uh, pretty much everything in its wake that's troublesome. Well, well, I did a poll in the Christiania Forum, and I've had, I think, 39 respondents so far, and only three people, three forum members, actually know someone who's had coronavirus. And I believe... I don't. <clears throat> I, I, I thought maybe the League had one member I heard with coronavirus. I, I, I haven't verified that. Well, that's one more than I've heard. <clears throat> So, so no members have confirmed coronavirus. So, so that's um. They haven't confirmed it to me. Right, and and that's a good cross section of white folk across the South and Midwest, and and my forum. Those thirty nine yeah. members are actually worldwide. I mean, some of them are in England, few of them are in Canada, and and they're all over the United States. So that that's, I mean, I I understand that some people. Somewhere might be sick with coronavirus, but the hype is all a hoax. There's no doubt. Or something. The hype, yeah, or something, right? Yeah. I agree. That they have some kind of flu, but the hype is a hoax. And and yeah, exactly. The hype is the hoax. Along with this podcast, I'm I'm posting an article that explains that, that proves it. And and there's over that there's probably two dozen links to sources. It's all well sourced, and and there are many studies that have shown that that um the death rate figures are are tremendously overblown. But even if the the, the virus was really as bad as they say it was, even if the death rate is ten percent, we shouldn't give up any of our liberties. You know, the thing I don't understand about this is in the past, you know, when you have a, uh, a, a population uh, that is, um, has become victimized to some degree or another by uh, an epidemic or a pandemic, what you do is you, you, uh, you quarantine the sick people. Uh, you don't quarantine the well people. And that, right. this, is, this is, to my knowledge, a firm you have basically told everybody who's well to shelter in place, as their their term is, and shut down everything. Uh, I mean, that makes no sense. I mean, you're right. You know, if it was something like the Black Plague, you know, and uh, you had this, it was very virulent, and you had a, you know, very high death rate, I could see maybe doing something like that. But the, the, the figures here are minuscule, and you have basically shut down the entire world. Not just America or a few other countries, but the entire world, uh, based on the principle that you quarantine the well and, you know, that, I guess that just leaves the sick uh, wherever they are. So it's, it's, it just makes no sense to me the way this has been handled, which makes me think there's something up. I mean, I'm, I'm the suspicious type anyway, obviously, but I think I have reason to be. Well, well, absolutely, and and um, I can understand that the league's um, cautious position at the beginning, because you're also responsible for for um, this entire organization of people and and sending them in the right direction. But I, I appreciated your post, um, the new normal, which you made in early April, 
but which rejected all of this lockdown and 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 it it, it was um I, I thought that was timely that that why are we doing this to ourselves <laughs> i don't know if you remember right. that post right the, well, the new normal it, it, i do i i remember it. i had i had several people that uh uh, told me that they had kind of used it as a as a jumping off point for some discussions about things, and I was very glad that it was well received. Uh, but yes, I, I felt like it was my responsibility to tell our people uh, to fight back against it and, and not knuckle under to it. Right. It, it's um. Wow. I, I I don't understand how and 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 it's. Uh, a good number of the Southern nationalists that I know have actually gone along with it. I mean, they may not be wearing masks and things like that, but but that they've been writing as if the coronavirus was real and it was an authentic threat. And and even certain Southern nationalists have writing basically approving of the measures that have been taken, what which have put millions of people out of work and and possibly out of their homes. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm concerned about is, you know, a lot of people uh, losing their homes. Now, you know, if they lose their business, they're probably going to lose their homes. And the only alternative in, in, a, in an economy like we're probably going to have, which is going to be uh, severely contracted by all of this, is to become a ward of the state. And how can you become, be a free man, a Southern nationalist, if you're a ward of the state? You can't. No, absolutely not. You're, you're if, if it's like a father-son relationship. If you're supporting me, I have to obey you. If I'm your son or or adopted son or whatever, it, it's the same thing with the state. If the state's supporting you, the state's your daddy, and basically that makes the state That's your right. god. The state becomes your god. That's right. Yeah, my father told me when I turned 18 years old, he said, son, you're out on your own now, and it's I'm, I'm, I'm not being harsh to you on purpose. It's just that I want you to learn that to be a free man, you've got to support yourself. If, if I continue to support you, then you're going to uh, be in debt to me, and you're, going to, uh, you're not going to like it when I tell you you've got to do something, but I'll tell you that you have to do something because I'm supporting you. Do what I say, support yourself. And I was so glad that my daddy did that for me because uh, it taught me very early on that if I was going to be free, that meant I had to know how to support myself, and I've learned how to do that. So, uh, But when you become a ward of the state, you're right. The state becomes your daddy. The state becomes your God. Well, I, I've seen... Um... And, and it, it, it sort of upsets me. I've seen tens of thousands of Southerners that appeared to be not on government funding, that, that appear to have jobs, that are just going along with this as well. I, I mean, it's like the state beca has become everybody's God. And whoever controls the state is the God of the people. And, and it's, wow. That's right. That's the predicament That's we're right. in. Well... And, <laughs> Southern nationalists, I, I really sincerely believe if, if we're ever going to be effective and relative, we have to get on the same page. And, and we don't have a lot of time to do that. It, it, it should have been done yesterday or, or years ago. Well, one of, one of the problems with this, and, I, and I'll just be blunt in saying this, is, 
you know, people develop their own ideas about things like the coronavirus. And, you know, they they have reasons, I'm sure, for for doing that. Uh, it's probably, you know, their own personal experience to begin with and other things that have come their way as far as information and knowledge and understanding. But uh, as far as an organization, uh, we're a top-down organization, and I have a responsibility for saying what the organization is going to do vis-a-vis uh, any kind of crisis like this. And if people don't want to toe the line, uh, I guess they can go, you know, be independent. But uh, if we're going to have any effectiveness at all as an organization, a Southern Nationalist organization, you are absolutely correct, my friend. We have all got to be on the same page on these things. Yes, sir, I agree. And 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 I'm not trying to beat my own drum or anything, but if I see anything that I don't think the um, League of the South agrees with, I will – I'll – do my best never to um, contend with it in a Southern Nationalist or League of the South environment. I'll just keep my mouth shut. Right, exactly. And 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 bring unity to the organization because it, it's um, it, it's it, it's general principles and and its plans and objectives are, are entirely agreeable. So we have to set our little differences, personal differences, aside for the common good and for the cause. Otherwise, there is no cause. That is exactly right, sir. And that's something that Southerners historically have had a very hard time doing. We are just, in some ways, too independent. Um, and that, that uh, obviously, people believe that that's a great trait to have, and, and it can be at certain times, but... At times like this, we need to pull together and realize that the powers that be, the people who are making the news, the people who are running this narrative, don't have our best interest at heart. And we know that who they are. We know they are liars because uh, we know that what uh, the Gospel of John in chapter 8, verse 44 says about these people. Yes, sir. They're liars and their father, they're, they're, they're of their father, the devil, who was a liar from the beginning and a murderer. So we know who we're dealing with. So, and we know that they're the ones to wellness. And we should know from experience that we need to be standing four square against everything that we're being told that we need to do during this coronavirus crisis, China virus, China virus, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it just boggles my mind, sir, that that we have people that have bought into to this now. Well, well, it boggles my mind as well. And, and it's sad that they bought into the narrative. It, it, it really saddens me. It, even if they're, that they're, um, they fear the, um, the virus, the disease, even if they know people that have had it and, and had a very hard time with it, or even if they've had it themselves, they should rejoice and, and praise God that, that they weren't victimized in death by it, that they survived it. And, and we, we have to face, if we're ever going to prevail, we have to face every adversary head on and not fear and not yield anything. That's the only way we're going to prevail. And, and that's what our Christian faith so tells us. You are us. absolutely correct. 
Absolutely correct. You know, uh, a little personal anecdote here. Back uh, sometime between the middle of Dece- uh, uh, Thanksgiving and the, about the middle of December, I had a cold, a fairly bad cold, and I never have colds, Bill, never, in years. Uh, and I didn't even know at that time that there was something out there called the coronavirus. So I'm telling you, I think that I probably had whatever they're calling that uh, during this 10-day uh, to two-week period uh, starting right after Thanksgiving. And, you know, it was, it was I just thought it was, a uh, you know, a cold, a, a bad cold. And that was probably, it was probably this coronavirus. Well, well, but, uh, you know, I don't know anyone in the league who's had it. I don't know anyone personally who's had it. And I don't even know anyone who knows anyone who's had it. Right. And and I, I have some experiences with that as well. A few of my poll respondents have um, described people that were very, very sick back in December and January and got over it. And when they heard later uh-huh. news reports, they thought it was coronavirus. And, and there's one woman right. in, in the Seattle area who's a member of my forum that her and her whole family, husband, kids, and her sister and her whole family, 11 of them all had it. And that's an area, she lives in that area of Seattle, which happens to have a lot of Asians. So she thinks it was coronavirus, but they haven't gone and gotten it tested, been tested for the antibody. So it's not confirmed, but there are a lot of people who have been sick, who thought that this is what they had, because their sickness was worse than usual or, or more um, of a drain on them than a regular flu, or, or so they thought. So they believe it's coronavirus. But that, that's the, the part of the point in, in the article I wrote that's going to accompany this, this podcast is that testing shows in New York and, and in four or five other places across the country and in Iceland. Testing has shown that millions of people do have the antibodies to this COVID-19, and they're past it already, and they never mm-hmm. showed symptoms. Yeah. So the hype was a hoax all yeah. along, and by the time they shut everything down, That's right. most of us were already exposed to it. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's true. That's so, true. Whatever so, we want to call it, I mean, you know. Some respiratory illness is all I know. Right. I've had a nagging... Yeah, the hype has been manufactured from day one. I I had a nagging cough through most of March and April. It really didn't hinder me at all, but um, it it bothered my wife more than me, and now for the most part it's gone. I don't know if it was coronavirus or not. I attributed it to the the increase in pollen that we have every year. So that that I've only had a problem with since I moved to Florida. I never had a problem with it in Tennessee or Virginia or even in New York, but since we moved to Florida, so, so it could be that, or, or who knows, but it could be, it's, um, I'm fortunate enough not to have been sick from a flu in many years. So I I don't want to, um, I've never had the flu. I've never had a flu. I've never had a flu shot. I've never had the flu. Yeah, I've never had a flu shot. You know, I, back when I back when I had this whatever it was in December, I just counted it as a common cold. 
you know, I thought, well, it's it's time for me to get a cold. I haven't had one in six, seven, eight years, and I didn't think any more about it than that. I was not, I was not really sick. You know, I was had chest congestion and head congestion, and you know, a couple of days had a sore throat. You know, a normal cold symptoms like that, but I didn't think anything about it. You know, I just said, well, it's time for me to get a cold, I guess. But that's the way a man should look at a sniffle or, or an illness. <laughs> <He should laughs> that's the truth. You, you got to live with it. Not like you just, you're about to die. Man. You got to live with it and you keep going. That, that's, yeah. that's how just, you do it. That's just normal. I, I mean, 40 years ago, most people would say, oh, that's big deal. That's just normal. Oh, you got a cold. Sorry to hear that. That's just normal. Pass That's me the right. meat. <laughs> Pass me the bread. Yeah. <laughs> they went, now they're wearing, uh, they want to wear masks. and the, People have actually shirked back from me in, in Lowe's or Home Depot or Walmart. That They've actually shirked back from me, shrunk back from me because I got oh, too close to We're treating each other like we are um, biological toxins now. That This is That's right, like us. lepers maybe. Yeah, they're conditioning people to see their fellow man as biologically toxic. And that's crazy. That's right. It is absolutely crazy. How can you have a sense of community? You're fearful of what you might contract uh, from some, someone, you know, who's within two or three feet of you. Just normal conversation range, you know. I mean, it's going to undermine the social cohesion that is necessary for a civilization to thrive. Exactly. The sense of community is gone. They've already taken away our sense of history through television indoctrination. And, and now it's the sense of community. We're going to be, by the time this is over, they want to reduce us all to mere individual consumers living in tiny That's houses right. or cells in some comp apartment complex. Yeah, that's right. And eating eating very unhealthy so-called food. Well, I hate to say some of the research on that that's come out of Asia, but like turning human excrement back into hamburger. And, and they're serious about that in Japan and China. But they're dead well, they serious can eat about it. it. And I won't eat anything. I won't eat any food from Asia, period. Um... No, I don't either. That's, that's a guideline that I have had for many years. No food from Asia. I know for a fact that all this fish farmed in Asia is fed human waste and, and animal waste. It's fed them so that they can get the protein, harvest the protein back from the waste, which is not the way mm -hmm. we historically do it. <laughs> that's not the way we do it. No. That's that, not the way we do it, Absolutely. But, but, you know, talking about food, Bill, you know, I, I've been uh, trying to look at what the end game of this whole crisis might be. And as a historian, I know that tyrants throughout history have used food or the lack of such uh, as a weapon. Yes, sir. And I'm beginning to be cons I'm beginning to be concerned about the fact that this may be another instance where food is going to be used as a weapon against people because I have before seen the grocery store shelves nearly empty, but it was only for a short time back in the 70s during a trial. 
you might remember that. It was nationwide, and, and we had that these effects down here in Alabama, but it didn't last long. But now for weeks on end, when I go to my normal grocery store to pick up a few things, and my wife and I are, are, are blessed in that we don't have to buy that many things from, from the grocery store. We get most of what we get from uh, local farms in this area, and we, you know, it's good, clean food. I've noticed that the shelves uh, sometimes are, are very close to empty, and the meat meat uh, display case is is very close to empty. And I'm beginning to be a little bit alarmed about the availability of, of decent food for people in the near future. And if that's the case you're going to have a societal breakdown because people will then start looking for other places to get food, and that is in the houses of those people who uh, have prepared themselves for this kind of crisis, uh, including <laughs> including me. Uh, yes. So I am a little bit concerned about the food supply chain here uh, breaking down. And there have been some big producers, I think, I forget who it was, uh, Tyson Foods or somebody like that uh, put an ad in the New York Times or somewhere saying they were concerned about the food chain breaking breaking down. And I think that's just to stoke more fear and panic in people, to tell you the truth. But it very well could be happening. Well, Smithfield Farms is a major pork producer. They closed a couple of plants, but now I hear they are reopening them or at least some of them. But Smithfield is entirely Chinese-owned. They're based in Virginia, but it's not Oh, yeah, Virginia. I don't buy Smithfield products. And, and Tyson is not only, we associate Tyson with chicken, but they're also one of the biggest beef processors in the country. And That's most right. people don't even know that. I don't eat Tyson products either. No, we don't. We, we don't either. Um, I was in a Whole Foods in Destin, Florida, two weeks ago. I went with Melissa because we wanted to try to buy some decent beef because it was running short here in Panama City Beach. So, so we went to Destin and I found um, huge holes in a lot of the shelves in various departments and in the frozen foods and meats especially. And I took pictures, but I never published them. Um, only because, first, I didn't really have the time, but secondly, because there was no pressing need, because the markets here, um, that they kept replenishing what little they did have in stock. They kept rep replenishing. So I didn't know what was going on, if they were holding back at the fresh market or at the public supermarket. But they did keep replenishing until the other day when Melissa told me that there are severe shortages of meat here. And... A fellow league member, Sean Winkler, told me that the Sam's Club in Panama City had no meat just the other day. Oh, just two no days meat ago. at all. Yeah, that, that oh. it was wiped out. Even the pork section was wiped out. So I'm not sure what's going on there yet. I, I won't get a chance to get out and about until at least Sunday afternoon. That's my work schedule. So I will when I can. We'll go out Sunday afternoon and I'm, I'll take a look at the supermarkets. Right. Right. Well, uh, I, I was out this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, planning on heading out of town. This... 
are. And I was out uh, picking up a few things at a local grocery store here, and um, there was very little meat. Uh, There's very little chicken. Uh, I went down the canned meat aisles, you know, uh, everything from, you know, salmon to, you know, canned beef or chicken or whatever. And it was pretty much empty as well. So, and the, there was virtually no bacon. Uh, so, you know, this is just a random trip to the grocery store. But I've seen this now, as I said earlier, for the last month or month and a half. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. It seems to be getting worse. We published an article. I didn't publish it. Um, Mary Barlow published it at um, freeflorida.org, the Florida State League of the South website, on, on the Florida farmers and, and the beating that they're taking over this. There's piles of fresh vegetables just laying in the fields rotting. And, and yeah, the, I don't know how the local beef producers are. I'm sure they're being bought out right now. I would bet the, the natural um, grass-fed beef producers. And, and there are probably... Um, three or four of them on the panhandle that I've bought food from in the past that I'm kind of familiar with. So I don't know how they are, but I'll probably be looking into it in in the next week or so. But local farms are really suffering during this because the stores aren't even buying from these Florida farmers. They're not buying anything. Yeah, exactly. And, and well, now- you know, the conspiracy theorist in me, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think I've told you this before, but my, my diet is about nine animal products with about, you know, 10% uh, vegetables and, and some berries and, you know, stuff like that. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty much uh, almost completely on a carnivore diet and I love good meat. And I think one of the things that we may see as a result uh, of this, these food shortages, is the control of the meat supply, and uh, a lot of this plant, these so-called plant-based meats, taking the place of real meat. And of course, those things have got all kinds of chemicals in them, and they also are full of estrogen. Uh, you know, and I think what what they're trying to do basically here with the food supply is to make it very uh, even more harmful than it ordinarily would be particularly to men. Uh, and I, I can see that as a problem down the line too. Well, absolutely. And, and I agree. And that's already been a problem. I, I really have for a long time attributed that fad or that trend to the explosion of effeminacy and homosexuality among modern American men and modern European men. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and you know, well, you know, you and I know each other, we, we know each other well, and I, I know that we both take care of ourselves. We both work out and exercise and, and, you know, do workouts, physical work outside. And, you know, I, I just, I think that that is the key to, to keeping yourself, uh, in, in masculine form. Uh, and and your diet is a terribly important part of that, and I, I really think that 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 they want to deprive us of these kinds of sources that you were talking about earlier, the local uh, grass-fed beef. Producers. 
uh, which I, I patronize, you know, here in my state, in my area. And, uh, I, you know, uh, uh, same, same with uh, people who raise chickens and, you know, other other uh, food products like that, too. You know, you want good, clean food, good, clean food that's healthy for you, and good, clean food that will help you to remain uh, as masculine <laughs> as you can be because uh, I think that's what uh, that's what it's going to be called spirit and that's exactly what our enemies want to take away from us they want to feminize us uh, they want to load us down with estrogen and all kind of things that will take away that masculinity and I think that is maybe one of the end results of what they're trying to accomplish here well, well absolutely I, I, I agree if they destroy um, mom and pop restaurants farmers markets where, where those Florida farmers those Florida farmers can can no longer support themselves. That they're destroying all of the local cottage food industry. Right, exactly. And I I think as you know as we were talking earlier about uh, small businesses being put out uh, out of business, but by the big corporations. I think big big uh, big agribusiness. I'm sorry, this connection is terrible. Well, I mean they they're pretty close. Yeah, they're they're pretty close to having a monopoly, big agribusiness uh, on on the food supply now. But there are some of us. If if you really want to raise your own food or or support those who do, you still have those options. And I think they would like to completely take those options away from us. Well, well, right. And and the Florida League of the South has had a buy Southern campaign uh, um, ever since I've become familiar with it. I I. I we we should all be doing that. We should all be buying southern, buying local. Yes. At every chance we can, yes, or at exactly. least to the to the extent that we can afford to, because it is a little more expensive. But it, it's much it better is. quality. It is. Food. But you get what you pay for. I, I I'm not quite as um, keto, if I should call it that, as you are. Most of my diet is meat, but yeah. I've learned that I need much smaller portions when I eat real food. And, and I could get by on eight ounces of meat instead of a pound of hamburger from McDonald's. And any day, I'd just rather have an <laughs> yeah, exactly. eight-ounce steak than, than two quarter pounders. That, and there really isn't much difference in the cost. So you could no, get by on not... smaller amounts of food uh, and be a know, lot healthier. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, a, a nice a nice uh, dinner for me would be like a twenty ounce uh, ribeye and salt and pepper. <laughs> that would right. be that would be the extent of my meal. Right, pepper is but, the best. Uh, you know, that's uh, all you need. <laughs> pepper is the best. Yeah, I like to tell exactly. people that my beer is my vegetable, and and I'll have a steak and a beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though the beer isn't great for me. It, I've gotten used to doing that. Well, um, well, I, I don't drink much beer, but I do. I drink, do drink my share of spirituous liquors, spirituous, <laughs> spirituous liquors, you, you, mainly bourbon whiskey. Yeah. So <laughs> you get your vegetables. Like you get your vegetable in liquid form. <laughs> That's a, exactly right, it, sir. I prefer it that way. <laughs> a distilled smoothie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, it, it's. I'm sorry the connection has really been so see, horrible. Uh, I'm really sorry the connection has been so bad. Yeah, I know, I know. We've probably been talking over each other a little bit here, but uh, we do the best we can. 
Well, well, I, I very much appreciate having you here, and, and I pray that this helps some of our Southern nationalists, our fellow Southern nationalists, and, and white nationalists in general make a more make more objective and better decisions in relation to this coronavirus scare and, and um, encourage them to, to stand up for, for themselves and, and not go along with this, this media propaganda. Yeah, I would just like, in closing, I, I would just like to encourage uh, all of our people, not only in the league, but all those potential league members out there, all the Christian identity folks that that'll be listening to everyone out there. You know, live your life like a free man. My daddy told me when I was a boy, he said, son, if you go through your life being afraid, being fearful of everything, he said, it ain't going to be much of a life. So I, I, I've... I've learned to limit my fears to things that, that deserve to be, I deserve to, to, you know, have some fear about. And this, this is not one of them, I don't think. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not right on everything, but I've been right on some things. And I do have a lot of experience, um, as you do, Bill. You know, we're both, uh, you're about to turn 60, I'm 68. We've lived... We've lived uh, pretty pretty long lives here and had a lot of experiences. And there's just something about this coronavirus thing that doesn't ring true to me. And I refuse to submit to the fear and all the fear-mongering that's going on out there. All right. What about you? Uh, live your life like a free man. Don't fear anything but Yahweh himself. And if you do that, I think that will set you in good stead. Absolutely. And, and I fully agree. And I'm sure that most of our listeners will agree. And, and I pray that some of those who, who listen to this simply because you're here with me, and, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of those that they also agree. I really do. What we have to evangelize that message. And, and I, I hope, I hope. Yeah. I'm sorry. This connection's terrible. Yeah, well, we'll make it through. Now, I was going to say, Bill, that, uh, you know, uh, I pray that, that God will give us all a spirit of courage and a spirit of spirit of faith, faithfulness, uh, because, you know, he is in control of all of this stuff going on. Uh, there's, you know, as, as Psalm 2 says, he sits in the heavens and laughs at all these people who are trying to replace him down here uh, on the earth and trying to, you know, run all these scams on us and trying to enslave us and all that. He is laughing at them. They have no power compared to his. And the God we serve is a mighty God. And this is the time when we need to be having faith in him and in his purposes. And his purposes will come to pass. And those purposes uh, will be good for his people. And that's something we never should forget is that we serve a God who is the creator of all that was, is, and ever will be, and nothing is going to happen that he does not allow to happen himself. So uh, getting up every morning and realizing that makes me uh, start. Uh, well, well, yes, sir, and, and that's how we should start our day, every day. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here, sir. It's been a pleasure, as always. Bill, it's always my pleasure. Uh, I appreciate all the work you do. Uh, I'm always proud to call you my pastor. And uh, you keep up the good work, and I look forward to coming on with you again.
Well, thank you, sir. That's a um, that's an honor. I'm sure well, we could find a way to have you back here soon. I, I pray. Hopefully before the national right. conference even. Sounds good. So that we could talk about the league. And, and um, I, I know that there are still some challenges in Charlottesville and things like that. Perhaps I could um, help with that by putting a link on, on this podcast and making another appeal. I know that the league, I, I, we're all in trouble right now. We're all having a hard time right now. But I know that the League of the South still has challenges coming up in, in, in um, legal problems connected to Charlottesville. We don't have to elaborate, but... Uh, yes, we yes we do. I know we could always use help there. Yeah, we, we do. I'd, I'd like to come... Yeah, that, that's true. I'd like to come back on sometime uh, maybe this summer, uh, maybe in, you know, early June or something like that. The South National Conference, which is set for the end of June, the last weekend in June, and then about our uh, legal uh, trials and tribulations uh, that uh, if everything holds according to schedule, our trial will be beginning in late October and running through about mid-November. So I'd like to come back on and talk about those things. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And and I, I know we really do need help with that. So I, I'm going to be doing what little I can in, in that area as well. And thank you again for being well, here. Well, I appreciate that. And we will definitely see you in June. My pleasure. Praise you. Uh, yes, you. sir. If, if not before. All right. Take care, Bill. Take care.